trip over all these courts real quick, if you don't mind. Oh, goodness, another beautiful uh, Indiana winter day. I don't know about anybody else, but the uh, 40 degrees and overcast and rain, I'm, uh, I've had plenty of that. But here we are. I hate to complain too much about it. I mean, it could be worse, so it is what it is. But I look forward to a sunny day one of these mornings. That said, we'll be uh, not quite wrapping up Ephesians. There's going to be a small passage for next week that if you've, if you've read ahead, you're going to think, what in the world? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I was back and forth a few times, and um, it's an interesting close that Paul's going to get into. We'll touch on that next week. But today, I wanted to just basically focus on the whole armor passage. When you hear the whole armor of God, we sing about it. It's in hymns. Um, if you, if we've talked about this before, but uh, we usually we prepare our sermon, and Leah reviews the notes or the sermon, and then picks the, the songs that will be most appropriate given the subject matter. And sometimes it's tough. I, I mean, it's always tough. I'm not trying to make her job sound like, oh, sometimes it's really easy. But there are some times where you talk about subject matter or passages that have been well covered in, in hymndom, let's say. This is one of those, for better or worse. But what's interesting is a lot of times when we talk about these common passages, uh, I think there's a couple of things worth noting. And I think today's no, no different in that regard. So before we get into this, we'll read the passage together, uh, and then we will pray and dig in. So if you've got your Bibles, feel free to flip along with uh, this, or you can read it on the screen or whatever floats your boat. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able, may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, and having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. The words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly, boldly as I ought to speak." Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we, we dive into this passage, it may be very common to us, Lord, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for passages that we have heard time and time again where the, the, the word, your word, has been sowed into our lives multiple times, Lord. But as we study this uh, yet again today, Lord, help us to do this with a fresh attitude uh, to know that you are still going to reveal mysteries about yourself uh, mysteries about the work that you did on the cross, mysteries about how we are to persevere in this world as it seems to be ever-changing, and we know that you do not change, Lord. Help us to marry that up. Help us to be able to, to do your work more effectively as we look at passages like this that seem to give us a great deal of insight on how to accomplish that task. It's in your sons of my prayer. Amen. Okay, buckle in for something new, right? You've probably never seen this passage before. Kidding, of course. There probably could be some people who have never been exposed to the Word, never heard anything. They're like, well, interesting, armor of God. That's a cool analogy. Uh, but most, if you've been in church for any amount of time, certainly maybe over a year or two, this has probably come up. And at last, well, is it's ultra common in children's messaging. It's not surprising, right? When we, when we try to communicate to kids the good news of the gospel, and maybe even some of the more complex issues of the gospel, 
Things that are, are, are ready, ready metaphors make good sense. Most kids are aware that, oh, yeah, yeah, fighting and swords and shields and armor and what the, the benefit of that is. Um, you don't have to cover a lot uh, when you talk about youth in a VBS setting about why armor is useful in combat. But I'll tell you this, blessed is he whose passage is well known, said no preacher ever. I think these passages often seem clear and concise. Where you read and go, oh, next, <clears throat> that's an easy one, on we go. But I would argue the potential of missing something. And I'll argue this to myself. When I prepared this sermon and I went through this a few times, I checked some study material. The danger, if you're curious, of well-known passages is that there is loads of material that is just terrible about those passages. The stuff that the world likes to talk about, everybody wants to talk about in all of its regard. So when we talk about missing something, it could be a false assumption, it could be an errant communication, it could be just straight up heresy about the passage. That said, all that said, let's, let's dig in, we'll study this fresh today. So Paul is wrapping up. Starting in verse 10, we see the word finally. If you've been following along with us, there's a lot of therefores, buts, so's. He's connecting everything down, but we're wrapping up. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. <laughs> um, sounds great, but begs the question, how? Hearing a command like that. I would say Paul does a great job of begging questions. It's, a, it's actually a method you can use to cover things with people, and you expect them to ask. I want you to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And everyone goes, ah, absolutely. Uh, how do I do that? And so that's, that's a, 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 a way that Paul writes, but he does a, a good job of answering those. He doesn't leave a lot of this stuff out regarding, regarding this, right? So how to be strong in the Lord? Put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And the second half is critical to this passage. It's, it's the that, it's the way that this is connected and the purpose for the armor itself. When we're talking about why Paul is encouraging us to put this on, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, clear as crystal what we're supposed to be able to do with this armor. But surprisingly, not as clear, perhaps. So to be very clear, it is not for warring against man. I think Paul does an excellent job of diving into the seriousness of this armor and the seriousness of why we need it. This war is against those in charge of the act of rebellion against God. Now, Paul uses excellent words here, much more so perhaps than that simple summary. The rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against them. These that are in charge of the act of rebellion. So the devil, Satan, yes, absolutely, he's part of that. But there's others that are trying to thwart the work of the cross. They are trying to, to do whatever they can to upset the apple cart of God's plan. They're convinced they can do something about it. In, in, in our desire to serve the Lord, thus we come against them. Their active desire to thwart the work of the Lord stands in opposition to our desire to serve and thus fulfill the work of the Lord. The armor, as explained thus far, protects us from the schemes of the devil. It is engineered to protect us from the work of those who oppose the Lord. People, I know what you're thinking, people oppose the Lord. In sin, we oppose the Lord. True, we do. But this is not about them. The armor that we wear is not because there are people that do not believe the Lord, love their sin, and hate God. This armor does not protect us from them. 
This is spiritual armor that he's talking about. The armor of the Lord here is something beyond that. This is something designed to protect us from those that are actually waging spiritual war, trying to thwart the work of the cross at a level beyond the world that we see around us. But Paul's not done explaining. He's going to get into this. And the benefit of this is to make it clear to us that this isn't about me putting on Kevlar or something and walking around wielding the word of God like a weapon in the world today. Therefore, we must put on the full armor, no gaps, no missing pieces. This allows us not to attack the darkness, but withstand it. You do not see here this idea about like, now we're ready to rock and roll. Now it's time to go to war against the dark throne, right? I know that's popular in hero culture. We love watching the good guys go win. Well, the good guys are going to win. The good guys have already won. We know how the story ends, but this is not the fight that we're in right now. We're not being called to suit up and get in there and scrap it out with demons and defeat them before they can thwart the Lord. They're not going to thwart the Lord. The Lord wins. This doesn't allow, this allows us not to attack the darkness. We're not called to go fight Satan on his terms, but to withstand Satan. It prevents us from his attacks ever having any impact that would thwart our ability to do what the Lord's called us to do. And he, he caps on this by saying, having done all or put on every piece, we stand firm. We are not called to swing away at the devil here. I know that's tempting. Part of me likes this idea too, that I'm going to put on the armor of God. I'm going to go to war with the devil. The reason that's tempting is because I like the idea of me winning a war, to be perfectly honest. I want to be part of that fight. But the Bible tells us that the devil's already been defeated and God's going to do that when God's ready to do that. What we are called to do here, what our commission and our command is, is to serve God, keep him absolutely, just the, 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 the primus of our focus on earth is God. And then our commission is to go share that good news with the world around us. What Paul's telling us is the armor that I'm, give, I'm going to tell you about allows you to do that job for the longest amount of time with the highest degree of efficacy. Think of the armor of God perhaps more like a radiation suit or a space suit. You don't put on a space suit to go to war with space. You can't defeat the vacuum of space. It is preeminent outside of our atmosphere. It also, by the way, is subservient to the Lord who created it. But our spacesuits are designed to insulate us so that we can accomplish the task we need to accomplish in space. This is like that. This armor, this spiritual armor is engineered so that we can go do the work God has called us to do in a setting of spiritual warfare now that we have been effectively enlisted by God. So let's get into it a bit. The belt, the breastplate, and the shoes. Breastplate. You're going to hear me mispronounce this as breastplate over and over and over again. It's just the way my brain works. The belt of truth, girding our loins, so to speak. You'll notice all these things align with critical parts of the human anatomy. Right, it's a big deal. Not being able to reproduce is a big deal. Humanity requires that or humanity ends. So, yes, we have truth that guards our abilities. To re Our reproductive systems are guarded by truth. Breastplate of righteousness protects our hearts. Righteousness, truth. These are big, these are big tenets of, of belief and faith, things we need to, to cling to and strive for. Our shoes, though, are interesting. They're not sabotons of destruction. They are the readiness of the gospel of peace. Paul's focus on peace being the reason for our movement is notable. The gospel of peace, this is not the gospel of war. This isn't 
the sabatons of God's wrath where we crush. Now, we know that the, the Satan will be crushed underneath the foot. But whose foot? It's, it's, spoiler, it's not mine. Christ will do that. He will be crushed. But our shoes are, give us fleet of foot in the, in, the, in, the, in the scene of war where we can get from A to B flying on wings of eagles of good news of the gospel. I think it is notable that he chooses the word peace. Not just, not just arbitrary speed. This isn't just a being quick to, because it's fun. But it is a notion here of being, being in motion despite the, part of the armor is our ability to move quicker perhaps than we could even without it. Shield, helmet, and sword. The shield of faith to protect us from directed fiery attacks. These are Paul's words. When we talk about, um, you know, fiery arrows and uh, things that are very, um, not to go too far down the line of warfare, right? But there's two kinds of ways that arrows were fired for a long time. One is just massive volleys, right? Uh, Others were directed arrows where I'm aiming at one person with my arrow. Uh, fiery arrows were used most uh, generally en masse. They would just be fired in at, I don't need an arrow on fire to hit one person in the heart, right? I just fire these en masse. And if you're ever watching any of these old movies, it's very common for everybody to get underneath their shield, right? Let's, let's get low, put the shield above us, and the shield takes the brunt of this, and then we don't die because we don't set on fire and so on and so forth. So yes, this idea is like there's, there's attacks that are going to be directed at us, uh, you know, from the devil, with, with some specificity, but maybe not all, all the way specific to me, just generalized nuisances of spiritual warfare. The shield defends us against that. The shield of faith, our ability to believe and trust is that this shield that was given to me by God, my faith, prevents these generalized attacks from breaking me down. Then we see the helmet of salvation, protecting our mind. Um, wh- that's kind of a crazy one, perhaps, at first, like salvation. Hmm. I mean, truth and faith and salvation? If you ever hear anybody talk about, and we mentioned this here about election, but then with this comes surety, right? When you put this helmet of salvation on, it's, it's, it's really not a coincidence in that our mind is a very tricky place to be sometimes. When battle gets rough, when times are hard, even though we might know the truth, maybe it's difficult for us to remember the truth. Fundamentally, what Paul's calling us here is the helmet, the thing that shields our mind, that protects it from the, from the devil, is knowing that we are saved. I am protected. Even if an arrow gets by the shield, even if my limbs are severed and everything is removed, I know what happens next. The helmet of salvation, the surety of your salvation protects your mind from the doubt, from the spirits of fear that can can, can absolutely cripple our ability to do what we need to do for the Lord. And then, uh, you know, last, but certainly not least, is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Now, when we see swords uh, in popular culture, in VBSs or whatever else, we tend to build these big weapons, and the, the, let's fight. It's a sword fight. Ding, ding. We take a sword. What's a sword for? It's for stabbing or cutting, right? True. Um, but they can also parry and disarm. Uh, a sword is a very unique thing in that it's both an offensive and a defensive weapon. Now, we don't do this very much, and I'm no sword fighter, so take what I'm saying with a grain of salt based on research, right? I, I can't speak to this. I'm, I don't know fencing or any of that stuff. But firearms and things like this are really engineered for offense only. I guess you could technically parry somebody with a rifle, but generally it's not going to come to that in a perfect world. But swords were much different. They were designed to be close quarters. 
And, and I might bring a sword to a battle even if I have no desire in, 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 in wielding it against you with an offensive strike. I could just use it to deflect your offensive strikes or disarm your, just move, remove the sword from you. I would argue the focus here is the latter. The sword, the word, but, but let's be very clear, the analogy is brilliant as usual because a sword can destroy it can cut very deep and do great harm inadvertently if it's poorly wielded. So if we go into a spiritual battle and our, 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 if someone's coming right at us, face to face to engage us, we have a choice to make when we hold this sword. I can, I can be deft with this, parry your blows, perhaps disarm you, while never really cutting you down, or I can just absolutely strike for the heart. The Word of God has that power. The question is, how do we want to wield it? And what Paul's calling us to here, in light of all the remainder, all the other pieces of this, doesn't look like a big time, let's get out there and attack. We're not going to take the sword of the Word of God and cut the devil down with it. He knows the Word of God. What we want to do is bring this down to the world, and we want excuses to attack those that attack us. That is not the purpose of this. So there it is. We got all this armor and we pray. <laughs> Surprise? Probably not really, but we are to be praying in the spirit of all times. Why? Because this armor is not of us and we are unable to leverage it alone. Unlike every other thing that we put on in this world, every comparison we're going to make, this armor is the armor of God. God has built it. God has crafted it and constructed it. He has fit it to us. We require him to suit up in it. And we need to know exactly how he would have us use this. And Paul's explanation for how we're going to use it is prayer. Prayer and supplication. But I want to be clear. There is no hope of us wielding the armor of God or leveraging it at all without God's providence. It is nothing. There is no belt of truth if you do not know the truth of God. He's the one that designed this belt. It's of him, not me. I can't make up my own truth and pretend that that's... I could make up my own truth and pretend I've got on the belt of truth, but that's not the armor of God, that's the armor of me. And if I decide to charge into any battle, much less in the world of spiritual warfare, in my own armor, I am already doomed. So supplication for the saints, we don't, don't talk about this very often, but Paul's talking about it here, right? Here we are in our armor... We're being called to stand against the devil, stand against the present darkness, those in charge of this. And we're told to pray with all supplication, pray for the saints. I'm going to read this again. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. When Paul says to pray for the saints and also for him, this is a reminder to them that Paul is also a saint and I also need your prayer. Yes, pray for those that you are shoulder to shoulder with in the fight. Pray for those whom you've, you have deployed into other areas to fight. But do not forget your leaders who also need your prayer. We are all in this together. I know it's a trope and it's kind of corny, but it's the truth. What kind of supplication? 
We pray for those whose armor is getting heavy. There's, there's, there's no, no promise here this is going to be easy. Put on the armor, it doesn't weigh anything, it's a piece of cake, you're ready to rock and roll now. These things, these notions of truth, the idea of a helmet of salvation and the weightiness of that, righteousness, these things can become burdensome because we see that we are without them and we require the armor for them. And maybe the devil isn't relenting and I'm getting tired and my legs grow weary. Standing is hard. I just want to lay down. I want to take this off. I've got a better idea. I just do it myself. This armor is encumbering me and I, I want to take the sword. I want to... We pray for those whose armor is getting. We pray for those who cannot pray for themselves. You look around in a world, I was, was, was telling my wife, there's a, 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 a person I know on a, an online fight, I don't know them personally, but their son is in the hospital and it has a heart transplant. It's not going very well. Heart didn't start on its own. He's a baby. Can't speak. And he's soliciting prayers from people. And he's saying, pray that the Lord has mercy, but pray that his will is done. I tell, yeah, that's a hard prayer, man. It's wrecked me several times. But this kid can't pray for himself. These parents can barely pray for him. Because what do you want for your kids? Lord, fix this kid. I pray for the Lord's will, yes. But I don't want the Lord's will if it's the death of my child. So what's Paul saying? You could be compromised. Things will get tough for you. You'll want to quit fighting because it's hard. The fight is hard. We pray for those who can't pray who don't know what to pray for, who are, 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 are struggling through. They've taken their helmet of salvation off and they're filling themselves with doubt and they're trying to get away. But no, we're going to pray for them too. We pray for those who have been taken captive and imprisoned for God. That's Paul in this example. Those who, are, while still in armor, have been moved to another location against their will and are now serving in a new, you know, a new engagement in, in the battle that they didn't want to be in. I had a good thing going over here, but now I'm over here. When we pray for those, these folks by initials, we don't know what's going on. We have no idea where they are right now. They could be in prison. But it's their birthday, so we lift them up. But lastly, we pray and are praying for those who are praying for us. When we look at this stuff, we try to personalize and we can forget perhaps that the whole church should be doing this. As I pray for all supplication for my fellow saints that are in war, that are dealing with things like kids with heart transplants that aren't starting. They're trying to figure out how to weigh that in with all the other things that are going on. They are praying for me and what I'm going through and the things that I'm trying to do. For me to be able to stand strong and do the needful as life changes around me and things get difficult or things get easy. I'm still being lifted up in prayer. Why do we do this? Why does this work? I'll tell you. I don't know. But God said to do it and that it will work. And so let's do it trusting that it will work. Somehow, praying for the supplication of one another because God is who God is, has the, has the ability to encourage and change things in a way that maybe seems like they couldn't be changed. Points to ponder. The full armor of God allows us to stand firm. Standing firm allows us to pray without ceasing. Praying without ceasing provides strength for other believers. And stronger believers can better share the gospel with the world. See, they all kind of connect. I did that on purpose. 
So the full armor of God allows us to stand firm. First of all, it's all or nothing. Um, this, is a, this is a tricky one in today's world. I'm not going to call people out on this, right? But churches like to take one of these things and just throw them out. Spoiler alert, it's the belt of truth. We'll take what the Bible says is true, and we're going to delete some of it because we don't like it. We're going to take that away. Um, as a man, the notion of being well-suited up and having your groin unguarded is terrifying. If there's one place that can absolutely cripple me as a man in very short order, regardless of how tough I might think I am, how sharp my sword is, it's getting kicked in the crotch very hard. Down you go. It's hard to breathe. You feel like you want to die. There's a reason that we want to have a belt of truth on. Now, you're thinking, a belt? Who wears a belt over the crotch or whatever? Yeah, but belts in the world of armor tend to have a cod piece that protects. It's the nature of this, right? So it was, it was sort of like a, a, a lower armor piece that would cover your loins in their entirety to protect you know, the, your valuable reproductive assets in fighting. If you omit that, you find yourself in a position where you're going to be very, very quickly brought to your knees, no pun intended, by an errant, seemingly me mediocre strike that would be of no consequence had you on the belt of truth. It's all or nothing. If you take the truth, you throw it away. If we're going to be everything but righteous, you get ready to get shot and stabbed right in the heart. Right? Everything's pretty good, but I don't think I'm saved until I earn it. Take this helmet of salvation off. I don't need it. I'm not going to be saved. Oh, you'll be dead very quickly. There's a reason you're going to protect your head. I don't need the shield of faith. My face is irrelevant. Okay, good luck in a battle without a shield, right? And heaven forbid you have no sword. Each piece of armor is a critical piece of defense. One weak spot can lead to a fatal injury. We need every piece, and we need to know its purpose. How many people here could talk about the armor of God, I'll raise my hand, but not identify each piece and its attribute readily? Very common for me. I know that they're generally tenets of the faith, truth and righteousness and things, but if, if I had to just write it down I'd, and I had a matching thing, and I had to think about it. Well, now, is it the belt of righteousness or the belt of, why? Because it's trivial to me, it's tri but it oughtn't be. I should know and be able to connect the dots. And I hope as we take away this thing, it's not just a, a little funny armor and like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm armed. It's God's armor and I'm immune to harm. No, you're not immune to harm. That's not what armor does. Uh, it's not perfect in any regard. And it may not save you if the Lord wills it. That said, this is our best defense against the devil. And that's why we need to suit up. And if you're ever wondering about, I feel like I'm struggling in belief then yes, as you go through and you're getting ready to think to yourself, I'm going to go out and I'm going to pray. I'm going to go out and witness. I'm going to talk to my neighbor. I'm going to talk to my coworker. You go down this list in your head and it helps you get stuff right. I got to go in there speaking the truth. Belt of truth, breastplate, righteousness, helmet, salvation, shield of faith, sword. Yes, gospel, here we go. Good news, my, good news are my shoes. Good news are my shoes. Off we go, right? Muttering these things like, oh, that's campy and corny. It oughtn't be. Why is the armor of God important? Because I need all of these aspects. And I'm going to tell you the good news that I need to know that I'm doing it right. I need to know that I'm doing it from a position where I'm saved. We're suited up. We're standing firm. That's what we're called to do. Standing firm allows us to pray without ceasing. I'll assert most folks pray when the world is crashing down. Has anybody ever had something horrible happen? I know this probably is a rhetorical question, right? And you tend to have a whole bunch of people say things to you. Things like, we're praying for you. How can we pray for you? 
Do you ever say, don't pray for me. You weren't praying for me last week, so stop it. No, you say, please pray for me. Why? Because I need it now more than ever. We know we need it. Why? Because I'm about to have a kidney transplant. I'm about to go to college. I'm about to, you know, step into a new classroom, a whole bunch of library issues. Right? I'm, I'm going to have to teach, us, teach some kids about Romans 8. Oh, there's a million reasons that this something right now requires additional prayer because I see the danger. I'm perceiving the danger. The threat is real. But here we see Paul teaching the spiritual world is always crashing down. The devil doesn't rest. And I'm not talking about this isn't a, a, a fire and brimstone and he's around every corner and, you know, he's out there with his pitchfork looking for a weak spot. The devil is not omnipresent nor omnipotent, but he has a singular goal and that is to thwart the work of the Lord, period. He is not going to stop. He's not taking breaks because he is consumed with hating God. When we realize that the enemy is not at rest, our desire to pray is heightened. If you believe what Paul says here was you walk out that door and you look at the world around you, you're not at war with all those people. The idiot that pulled out in front of you and then gave you the finger. I'm not at war with him. But there is a spiritual war that is, it loves the idea that there's somebody that is just so lost and filled with hate that they can invoke the same anger and hatred in me. Now I'm mad because they're mad. And the devil's like, I got this I'm on next. When instead they pull out in front of me and I'm like, oh, they shouldn't have done that. But, you know, I've pulled out in front of people too. I'm not going to throw the first stone here, Lord. I, bring me peace and calm and not today, Satan. You know, that's a funny little trope. But if you're ever going to be hollering stuff, that's a great one. Not today. I'm not doing it. I'm going to get angry. Not today. I'm not going to do it, Satan. Forget it. Why? Because I know better. I know better. Praying without ceasing, we stood firm. We're now praying all the time. People cutting us off, bad things happening. I'm not at war with you. This is the devil. This is the work of, the, of spiritual warfare. I'm not going to succumb to that. Provides strength for other believers. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for other people in my life. Supplication for the saints is praying for the needs of other believers. Real simple. What do you need? How can I help you? This means we should all be praying for one another. Once again, head nods. Oh, sure. I mean, who's ever... Film at 11. You're not going to believe it. Pastor calls for the church to pray for one another. Yeah, no kidding. But more than prayers for jobs and healthy checkups. We all want that too. Don't get me wrong. When I'm praying for this, this, young, this young child that's getting a heart transplant, yes, I'm praying for a healthy checkup. But at the request of the parents who have their act together, I'm also praying for the Lord's will to be done. Now, there's peace in that. Sovereign God, please continue to be sovereign and remind me that you are so. When you don't have to worry about all that stuff because you know that God is good and he wants good for us, then even the things that seem horrible and I cannot connect it to good will work for the good. If you want to know why you're praying for other people at times like that, it's because it's really hard to remember that at times like that. When you see a young child who's dying on an ECMO machine, it's pretty hard to remember that God is sovereign and wants good for you because you feel like you're left alone and you feel powerless and hopeless. But we know better. And so we pray for supplication. Lord, remind them of the helmet of salvation. Remind them that they're saved. Let me be fleet of foot to get to them with these prayers. Let me be with them if I can be, but if not, let me lift them up. Let me pray that the armor they're wearing holds up. 
Don't take off the breastplate of righteousness. Don't take that belt of truth off. Don't put the shield down. Hold it up. Scream at it. Yell behind it. I don't know what's going on. David set a great example of this. David's probably wearing the same armor. Sometimes he's back there shivering. Other times he wants eyeballs. Lord, I want you to bring them to me so I can cut their heads off. He's all over the place with this, right? But others, we work together. We pray together. Hold up. Don't take it off. Don't give up. Fight the good fight. Stand against the devil. Don't listen to the lies. Don't succumb to that. Why? Because stronger believers can bear to shell the gospel with the word. When we pray for this kid, it's not a prayer that he just gets healed so that that's great, he's healed. No, the prayer is so he can get healed because through this comes a testimony that could change the lives forever. This parents can find and see and say the Lord was good to us. He showed us mercy that day, but he was good to us had he not shown us mercy that day. That gets people's attention. There is no better witness than someone has been through it. I used to do a lot more prison ministry. I don't have time as much with, with them getting older and getting involved in stuff, but I used to do that a lot more. And the most effective people in those ministries were ex-convicts because <laughs> they've actually walked a mile in their shoes. They know what it's like inside. I don't. I've never been to prison. I can tell you there's better things and this, that, and the other, and it's not the end of the world, but it sure feels like the end of the world. And, uh, you know, if you don't know, then don't come tell me. So when we talk about being able to share the gospel, all believers have been through all walks of life, saved in all different dimensions of their life. Oh, I was saved when I was a kid. I was saved when I was in the midst of drug use. I was saved by my spouse. I was, all these come together to paint a, a wonderful picture to a world that desperately feels like perhaps there is no gospel for them. The world will notice when we handle our worst with God's best. That's what the armor's doing. We're standing we're standing against the devil. He's throwing everything he's got at us. And suddenly, somehow this armor holds up. Maybe. It's pretty good. I'm going to stand as long as I can. Why? Because the Great Commission is to share the good news with the world. That's what it boils down to. This isn't to have the shiniest armor and be, be undefeatable by the devil. It's to share the good news with the world. Interesting, but what do we miss here? Here's what we missed. The armor is not meant to save us from the devil. Are you kidding me? He just talked forever about standing firm against the devil, right? We are saved from the devil before we can put the armor on. The helmet of salvation is part of it. The helmet of salvation, when you put it on, you're saved. The devil cannot spiritually kill you. What's the point then? The point is God told us that we are going to go into places and do things that the devil will hate. And the spiritual realm will come against us with all that it's got. And we will last the longest that we can before God calls us home by putting on this armor and standing to post and saying what we have to say, which is there is hope. That hope is Jesus Christ. He came, he lived, he never sinned, he died, he bore the wrath of God, paid for all sins, for all the elect, for all time. Repent, believe in the gospel. That's what the armor is allowing us to, to, to say in its entirety as long as God wills it. This allows us to do the work of the church, which is our great commission. Not to be tough, not to build a, an army to go to war with the devil, but effectively spacesuits so that we can go into spaces that are inhospitable to believers and preach the good news so other believers can accept the good news and then put on their own armor and then pretty soon we've got a moon base. 
in a place that somebody once said, you'll never be able to live there. Oh, we're living. We're living here. The armor of God has protected us long enough to actually get an inroad here. Of course, it's perfectly clear. If so, wonderful. If, that's, if I say this, you're like, yeah, it sounds great. I knew that already. Right? It, wasn't, it wasn't designed to save me from the devil. It's just designed to buttress me up for the work of the Lord. But Okay, that, awesome. But many times these passages become encouragements that we can overcome. Life is tough. Well, I've got to put on the, the armor of God now. No, the armor of God needs to be on all the time. And the function of the armor of God is not so that I can deal with the tricky business of refinance or my boss is being a little heavy-handed. Good, I'm going to get the sword of the Spirit in there and give him what for it. No, that's not what this is about. This passage is a reminder that Jesus has already overcome all of that. We suit up because it will allow us to do our best work for His glory, period. So what about us? Is your armor in good condition and accounted for? I know it's spiritual armor. You probably didn't get issued any. I've not either per se. But if I'm not putting it on and I'm not caring for it and I don't even give a, a rip as to what it is, if I'm not aware, is this the belt of truth or is this the belt of truth, I need to know the truth. You've heard me talk before, if you want to be good at detecting counterfeit, spend a lot of time with the real thing. Are you confident in your ability to stand thanks to the armor of God? If no, maybe it's not the armor of God that you got on. Maybe you're not trusting the fact that even if that armor were not to protect you fully for any longer than you'd like, that... Uh, that you, you're confident of what happens after that. And if those two are generally yeses or, uh, let's say, moving towards yeses, then who could we pray supplication for this week? Who do we know? I could, I'll take some. If you've got nobody to pray for, pray for me. Pray for me. I need all the prayers I can get. Standing up here in the pulpit, getting messages prepared, wanting to lead uh, well, is a challenge. It's difficult. I covet your prayers in that regard. But beyond that, who can we share the good news with this week? If you need prayers or supplication, please let us know. If you're watching online, I mean, just pray for this. I feel isolated. I feel like I've been at war and I've been losing this war for my whole life. Well, there's good news in that the, the battle could be over today. I mean, there's going to be some time left on this earth for you, but that's all good news. And if you don't know who Jesus is, if you don't know what he has done, what he sets us free from, I'm telling you, his yoke is light. The Bible tells us that. If you feel like your burden in this world is heavy, trade that in. Be rid of that burden. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for encouraging passages, Lord, that give us hope. And Lord, I pray as we study the Bible and we, we read passages that perhaps we've read hundreds and thousands of times, Lord, that we still read them hoping, desperately wishing in, in, in any way that the, 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 your Holy Spirit will move and illumine us yet again to see another aspect of you, to understand more fully how we take your word into the world around us with the highest degree of effectiveness, Lord. We want them to know the truth. We don't want to push people away from the good news because of our behavior or because of errant beliefs on our part or faulty assumptions, Lord. So I pray that we can put all that aside in our lives, everything that we've we've heard or believed that we can't find in the Word, we set that aside and we look at the Word for what the Word says. And we take it at its face knowing that you don't change, that the truth of your Scripture is eternal. Lord, that should be a great comfort to us. I'm thankful that that's the case. In your sons, I pray. Amen.